Welcome to the Niches You. My name is Matt Gottesman at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, and this is my daily podcast where I create short, quick hitting episodes to help you uncomplicate life, creativity, and the pursuit of your highest self. There's only main character energy here. Now let's get into it. Welcome to episode 115. If you need momentum, remember this. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Now, I brought that up on a podcast that I was interviewed on a, a long while back, or actually not long, earlier this year, and it came up again in the book Effortless, and I want to actually read this parts of this chapter and dissect it with you. So it's another storytelling hour <laughs> or 15, 20 minutes because there are some very detailed fine points in this particular chapter about running your pace in life. Not just your race, but your pace. You're pacing yourself. And there is a range in between burnout, overwhelm, doing too much, trying to go too fast, make things happen faster than they need to, uh, thinking that it has to all be done right away, never starting because you're not even sure you know how to tackle how much there is. So the There's four concepts to this chapter. The idea first that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I'm going to give you an example that he gives in the book, which is phenomenal. Second is the false economy of powering through. And you'll see what I mean. The third is the upside of upper bounds. And the fourth, finding the right range. And he gives, the author gives some great examples of exactly what I'm talking about, finding that pace and the consistency that comes from tackling something you want to do, a project, a book, starting something new, building something new, creating from scratch. It's not about burning out and just running so fast because you want to make it all happen right away as much as it is as what can I do today? What is my, as he would say, there's a difference between the lower bounds and the upper bounds. What will I not do less of and what will I not and where what will I stop that I won't do more than and if I stay within this range today I'm good to go and it works very well for me and I find that when I'm not doing some of these things the tasks can be all over the place which is some not something that I like to do anymore because I like to know what I'm working on and not burn out from doing more. And that's hard for me sometimes because sometimes I want to do more. Sometimes I want to run faster. But we burn out when we do that. And we can burn out our creativity. We can burn out our health. We can burn out our mindset, our livelihood, whatever. So I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to read you guys this and give you my assessment. But the first section of slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And he says, in the midst of the great age of exploration, in the early years of the 20th century, The most sought-after goal in the world was to reach the South Pole. It had never been done before in all of recorded human history. Not by, I hope I'm saying this right, Pythias, the first polar explorer circa 320 BCE. Not by the Vikings a thousand years later. Not by the Royal Navy and all its prowess during the years of the Great British Empire. In November 1911, two rivals for the pole aimed to be the first to achieve this elusive goal. Captain Robert Falcon Scott from Great Britain and Ronald Amundsen from Norway, otherwise known as the Last Viking. They began within days of each other a 1,500-mile race against time, a race of life and death. One team would return victorious, the other team would not. 
return at all. To read their journals, however, you would never guess that the two teams made the exact same journey under the exact same conditions. On the good weather days, Scott would drive his team to exhaustion. On bad weather days, he would hunker down in his tent and lodge his complaints on his journal. So if the weather was good, they were, they were out there and they were trekking. If it wasn't, they wouldn't do anything. On one such day, he wrote, our luck in weather is preposterous. It makes me feel a little bitter to contrast such weather with that experience by our predecessors. On another, he wrote, I doubt if any party could travel in such weather. But one party could. On a day of similar blizzard, Amundsen recorded in his journal, it has been an unpleasant day, storm, drift, and frostbite, but we have advanced 13 miles closer to our goal. On December 12, 1911, the plot thickened. Amundsen and his team got within 45 miles of, south, of the South Pole, closer than anyone who had ever tried before. They had traveled some 650 grueling miles and were on the verge of winning the race of their lives. And the icing on the cake, the weather that day was working in their favor. Amundsen wrote, going and surface as good as ever, weather splendid, calm with sunshine. There on the polar plateau, they had the ideal conditions to ski and sled their way to the South Pole. With one big push, they could be there in a single day. Instead, it took three days. This is key right here. Why? From the very start of their journey, Amundsen had insisted that his party advance exactly 15 miles each day, no more and no less. The final leg would be no different. Rain or shine, Amundsen would not allow the daily 15 miles to be exceeded, while Scott allowed his team to rest only on the days when it froze and pushed his team to the point of inhuman exertion on the days when it thawed. Amundsen insisted on plenty of rest and kept a steady pace for the duration of the trip to the South Pole. Do you already you already see where this is going, right? He so Amundsen kept a 15 mile pace every single day, no matter what the conditions were. He played for consistency and endurance without overexertion, whereas Scott did not. And they would go hard, and then they would stop. They would go hard, and they would, and then they would stop. But the body really, it takes a toll on the body. So it says this one simple difference between their approaches can explain why Amundsen's team made it to the top while Scott's team perished. Setting a steady, consistent, sustainable pace was ultimately what allowed the party from Norway to reach their destination without particular effort, as Roland Hunford, the author of a fascinating book on this race to the South Pole, explains. Without particular effort, they accomplished a feat that had eluded adventurers for millennia. Of course, not every day was easy, but even under the harshest of conditions, the goal was doable. Thanks to that one simple rule, they would not exceed 15 miles a day no matter what. On December 14, 1911, Amundsen led his team to become the first in recorded history to reach the South Pole, and then they safely made the 16,000-mile journey home. Meanwhile, Scott and his exhausted, demoralized team arrived at the Pole only to find they were some 34 days too late. Now, they made it, though, but their return journey was even more wretched. The team staggered on in total exhaustion, frostbite taking its ghastly toll until all five men froze to death. Some of them were so certain this would be their fate, they wrote notes they hoped their friends and families would one day read. So 
do you, th this fundamental principle right here was that Amundsen's team, his whole approach was, we're going to go for consistency. And, and most people want to try to win the race on the first day, or they want to push so hard to the point of exhaustion that you'll take yourself out of the race before you've even ever started. Or even while you're in it, you, you're already, you're not creating sustainability. The race is one as a marathon. Yes, you can run your sprints daily, but make sure that the sprints don't overexert you. Okay, so that's point one. Point two of this chapter, the false economy of powering through. When we try to make too much progress on a goal or project right out of the gate, we can get trapped in a vicious cycle. We get tired, so then we take a break, but then we think we have to make up for the time lost, so we sprint again. Does this sound like any of you guys? I know that I've done this many times. For example, I had a friend who was desperate to finish writing her business plan. So one weekend, she decided to spend every waking minute on it. She powered through, but it burned her out to the point that she couldn't bear to think about the plan, much less work on it again for weeks. She said, when I tried, my brain just shut down. So I want to recap right there. When we go very hard on something and, you know, it's momentous, we, we, we power through, but sometimes it's so much that you're like, you know what, I don't even want to pick the thing back up again for you know, several weeks, and you're probably not even maybe motivated to do it. This has happened to me several times in learning about my own peak performance. And I've learned that when I pace more of, okay, if these are the projects I'm working on and what I want to get done, and I do a certain amount of that project either each day or at least a certain amount each week, it moves the needle because I'll wake up two months later and it's all finished. When I don't, I can wake up months later and... It still feels like everything's a push with it. So he said, so, the, so Greg McKeown, the author says, as a teenager, teenager, I set a goal to complete compete in the three-mile cross-country race where I grew up in Yorkshire, England. When the day arrived, I was nervous. With my parents and grandparents looking on, I made my way to the starting line. Even though I didn't feel fully prepared, I could have done okay if I had started out the way I had intended, slowly. I like to run that way, to start slow and gradually pick up speed feeling the rush of adrenaline as I passed other runners from behind. But my nerves got the better of me. I threw out my game plan and shot out of the gate along with the other runners. I sprinted hard for the first 100 yards, then had to pause, gasping for breath, just 100 yards in. Eventually, I caught my breath, but the damage had been done. I'd fallen behind, and I remained behind the whole time. It was painful. I came in 57th place out of 60 runners. In hindsight, the cost of that sprint was more than the loss of just one race. The loss was humiliating enough that I never com competed in any other cross-country meets. When we're trying to achieve something that matters to us, it's tempting to want to sprint out of the gate. This is the point right here. The problem is that going too fast at the beginning will almost always slow us down the rest of the way. I, I want to point out right here real quick, this is why some of you, I I'm just going to speak you know, as if it, this could have happened to some of you, but it, it has happened to me in the past as well, too, uh, especially when I was younger. We can start something that we are so excited about, right? Have you ever done this? You, you start off so excited and you are running fast in the beginning, but you may burn out just as quickly as you start is as quickly as you may burn out. And if that happens, you may even lose the motivation for the thing that you were so excited about. You got to be very, very careful. That's why also you have to be able to power through beyond motivation, but you also have to, you have to be attached to why you're doing something in the first place and be willing to pace yourself. 
So you said that the cost of this boom and bust approach to getting important projects done is too high. We feel exhausted on the days we sprint hard, drained and demoralized on the days we don't, and more often than not, we wind up like those British explorers, feeling battered and broken and still no closer to achieving our goal. Luckily, there's an alternative. We can find the effortless pace. And so then this next part is that he's talking about the upside of upper bounds. In my early days as an aspiring author, I was passionate and motivated, but inconsistent. I would write some days, I'd talk about writing on other days, and I'd talk about what I was thinking about writing on other days in between. Meanwhile, I had a musician friend who decided to write a book about her songs. She was prolific in how much music she had produced. She had written over 3,000 songs, 101 albums, and 9 cantatas. Her music had been featured around the world, including the National Prayer Breakfast at a presidential inauguration. It was breathtaking to see all that she had accomplished at her steady pace over many years. But how would she fare as a writer? Quite well, as it turned out, she decided she would choose 100 songs and tell the story behind each of them. She would write two stories a week, so it was manageable. She explained, and then when, she, when those two stories were finished, she would stop work for the week. Even if she had the energy and appetite to write more, she would stop. Two stories a week was her upper bound. I was stunned to learn that within the nine months, her book was finished and sent to the publisher. Meanwhile, I was still working on mine intermittently. Holding back when you still have steam in you might seem like a counterintuitive approach to getting important things done. But in fact, this kind of restraint is key to breakthrough productivity. So what she did is she knew her, her upper bounds was, I'm not going to do more than two songs a week. Just like Emerson was, I'm not, we're not going to do more than 15 miles a day. And that pace was doable for her, that no matter what was going on in her life, she was able to do that. And then come nine months later, it's done. And this is something that I'm even learning even with the writing of my own books right now, right? So uh, so that's something that, you know, you, you want to keep that in mind, right? So then he says, as Lisa Jewell, author of some 18 best-selling novels, put it, pace yourself. If you write too much too quickly, you'll go off at tangents and lose your way. And if you write infrequently, you'll lose your momentum. A thousand words a day is good ticking over amount. And then he talked about a, a, a Ironman triathlete, uh, Ben Bergerson, Ber, uh, who trains the fittest athletes in the United Kingdom. Clearly, he's not lacking in the physical stamina to work extra hours when a client requires it. But he has a rule that keeps him performing well professionally and personally. And I love this rule, by the way. He leaves the office at 5.25 p.m. every single day. On a slow day, he leaves the office at 5.25 p.m. On a busy day, he leaves the office at 5.25 p.m. It's non-negotiable. Even if he is in a meeting as soon as the clock strikes 5.25 p.m., he just stands up and walks to the door. He doesn't have to think about it. By now, everyone he works with knows that no rudeness is intended. It's simply that his upper bound is 5.25 p.m. Why is this important? And I can speak very closely to this. I get into creative spurts, and sometimes I just want to go, keep going. I, I love the project I'm working on. I'm loving, maybe it's my podcast, maybe it's my uh, my writing, maybe it's some, uh, whether it was client work, whether it was uh, just just any of my work period, and I'm, I'm hitting a momentous stride. It's hard for me to stop. It really is because I love it. But I am learning to hold back a little bit. Now, some people may not believe in this. I have found that 
when I hold back a little bit, I get up, I stop from that, that thing at that exact time. And I move on to something else or go take a walk or go do anything else. I find that that actually fares very well for me in the long run. And so I make, I'm consistent every single day when I follow that schedule versus when I go over the schedule, will I push other things to the side that have to get done and then something gets scattered out there, right? So that's something to think about. It says, whether it's miles per day or words per day or hours per day, there are a few better ways to achieve effortless pace than to set an upper bound. And now I'm going to talk to you about the right range and that'll just cap this whole thing off. So he said, all of us want to achieve our desired outcomes, complete the manuscript, run the 5k launch the product as quickly as possible so it makes sense that we all prefer days when we make more progress than less after all few things in life are as satisfying as the feeling of accomplishment but in our over enthusiasm for getting things done we may make the mistake of thinking that all progress is created equal all progress is not created equal and then uh there's a next part of this section says when you go slow things are smoother when you have time to observe, to plan, to coordinate efforts, but go too slow and you may get stuck or lose your momentum. This is just as true in life uh, and work as it is on the battlefield. To make progress despite the complexity and uncertainty we encounter on a daily basis, we need to choose the right range and keep within it. Even when we want to make consistent, steady progress on a priority project, life often intervenes we may have planned to spend the morning at our desk and instead find ourselves stuck in meetings we may have blocked off hours on our calendar for important work and instead find ourselves dealing with a toddler meltdown (laughs) then to compensate for our perceived lack of productivity we work all the way through the weekend in a mad rush for progress we know this comes at a cost low quality work increased guilt and reduced confidence there's an easier alternative we can establish upper and lower bounds simply use the following rule never less than x never more than y and this is the 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 part that i want you all to consider in fact in reading this i'm actually going to go back to my schedule and look at all the things that i'm doing and i'm going to to create the same thing uh and i'll probably report back to you guys but it's this so you take an essential project uh let's say it's finishing uh finish reading a certain book okay lower bound never less than five pages a day upper bound never more than 25 pages a day Okay. Uh, it gives another, uh, example, hit my sales numbers for the month. Never less than five sale calls a day. Never more than 10 sales calls a day. Or he's got another one. Call my family every week for a month. Never talk for less than five minutes. Never talk for more than an hour. Uh, another one, complete an online class. Never less than signing into the class every day. Never more than 50 minutes taking one practice test each day. And then a final example, complete the first draft of a book, never less than 500 words a day, never more than 1000 words a day. So, and then he he finishes off by saying, finding the right range keeps us moving at a steady pace so we can make consistent progress. The lower bound should be high enough to keep us feeling motivated and low enough that we can still achieve it even on days we're dealing with unexpected chaos. The upper bound should be high enough to constitute good progress, but not so high as to leave us feeling exhausted. Once we get into the rhythm, the progress begins to flow. We are able to make effortless action. This is huge. This is a very big deal because I know a lot of you have projects that you want to do, dreams you want to build, 
places you want to go. You probably, some of you may have families. Some of you may have all kinds of different things going on. Maybe you are not an entrepreneur. Maybe you have a job that's very demanding. Maybe there's a lot of uncertainties and constraints. But when we can create a range for ourselves in literally anything that we want to do, for me, it's writing two books right now. I'm also finishing two online master classes for the community. Uh, and I've got other things going on as well. And so each week I have to define what is it that I want to get done in each of those areas. Now, I have slipped in some areas while I've done well in other areas, but that's exactly why I'm going to actually use this in real time. Uh, but uh, I know it works because of the things that I'm currently focused on, it is working. Because each week I sit down on Sunday and I say, okay, what do I want to accomplish this week exactly in these areas? And I even map it out. So, but I'm going to take it a step further and I'm even going to do a lower bound and upper bound for each thing. And then I'll report back to you guys. But I wanted you guys to try this in your own life. This could be for working out. This could be for a new project. This could be for writing. This could be for content creation. This could be for maybe it's writing a resume. If you were thinking about going to a new type of job, or maybe it's about creating a business on the side. What can you do little tasks each week to move the needle? So that way, six months from now, look a lot different than they do now. And that's all I got for you guys. If you need momentum, remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in each and every single week, each and every single episode. Please continue to leave those written reviews on Apple, those five-star reviews on Spotify. I appreciate it. It helps expand the awareness of the show. We are growing and it means so much to me. And as always, until next time, I'm out. All right, that's it. We'll stop there for right now. I hope you found this helpful and applicable in some way. I want you to remember, you do not need to fit in, and you certainly do not need to fit into some category or title nor be put into some box. The niche is you. It always has been. Please share this with a friend and be sure to leave a rating and review. Your feedback means everything to me. And also, thank you for listening and supporting me. If you're new and you want to receive these the moment they come out, please text me 480-530-7352. Text me podcast. I promise to only send you the good stuff. Thank you. And until next time, I'm out.